3: In that case, I
1: pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are
0: waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for
1: details.
4: This is the Manchester Football Social Forever Blue. Uh, Thanks for downloading the show. Make sure you've subscribed to the show so that you never miss another episode. You can do that wherever and however you listen to podcasts. Please make sure that you're following us too on Twitter at MCR Footy Social manchester city football social with blue moon rising hello gang we're back again it's all manchester city for the next hour on the football social um i'm ian cheeseman with me uh, in the studio at the moment as a uh, city legend that is mr oh lake yeah you're supposed to <laughs> say it on there i thought well i couldn't say it for you but i thought <laughs> you'd be more than capable of doing that Thanks yourself. It, yeah so brilliant nice to have you here and we have The city legend of a different type in City Square. (gasps) That is...
2: Natalie Pike! Yes! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We've
4: got other guests on the way as well. And, of course, you can get involved at any time um, by sending us a text or giving us a a call or whatever. um, And we'd love to hear from you. However... We haven't got a shortage of things to talk about tonight. We've got a lot to talk about, actually. Where do we start? We've got Phil Foden, who's just uh, signed a a five-and-a-half-year contract. Uh, We've got uh, Raheem Sterling being racially abused. The performance at Chelsea, City losing for the first time. Tomorrow, it's Hoffenheim at home. Injury news we hear today is that David Silva's going to be out for days or weeks. Not sure how long that's going to be. Kevin De Bruyne is still out. Aguero might be back at the weekend. So there's a whole lot January transfer windows not too far away. Where do you want to start? Well, I'll tell you what. Goodness. Before you start, I've got to get this off my chest, oh, right? Okay. Because uh, people have been um, talking about this Raheem Sterling thing and I don't want to make the whole hour about that and I'm sure you two don't want to do it either. However, on um, and, and, and social media, you know what social media is like? People have, say, have, have been saying, well, you know, wh- why don't we you know, hear what you've got to say. So I'm going to say what I've got to say now. And I'm under no control, despite the fact that I do this vlog for Manchester City. um, I'm I'm not gagged, silenced, told what to say or anything. I'm just going to say my own stuff, right? Obviously... What happened to Raheem Sterling, even though at the moment it's not been proven for, Chelsea fans have been suspended, internal investigation happening, but uh, it's fairly clear that something bad happened. Raheem Sterling's own statement more or less said that he felt it was racial abuse. Racial abuse of any type, as far as I'm concerned, is completely unforgivable on any level, whether it's black-white, which is usually what we refer to as racial, or whether it's other types of racial, because there's plenty of others... Um, Obviously, don't want to get political here, but with Brexit happening and everything, we've seen it happening in in the country. In fact, it happens all over the world with people from different countries who might have the same coloured skin. We've got people who have different religions, different sexual orientations, different genders, all those things. As far as I'm concerned, everybody's equal. And what happened to Raheem Sterling is completely unforgivable. The self-control he showed to just smile and laugh and deal with it in the way he did fills me full of admiration that anybody can actually do that so hats off to to Raheem Sterling for for reacting in that way but obviously there's been another question which we're going to tackle a little bit later on about whether this type of stuff is is stoked up by by either the media or the newspapers or radio or television we're in radio you know are we stoking it up I don't think I am, I don't think you two are in the studio, but nevertheless, there are accusations that that has happened as well. We'll explore all of this, we'll go through the Chelsea game in in detail, but I just felt I had to get off my chest how I felt, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, every human being on this planet, I don't care who you are, what what your background is, where you're from, what your religion is, everybody deserves the same amount of respect, and to watch that happen to to a, a footballer, a young footballer, it's just, uh, well, it doesn't matter who it was, actually. It could happen to, to somebody in this office. It, I would feel very, very angry about it. I've got it off my chest now. Good.
2: Go yeah, and I think everybody listening, um, I would like to imagine everybody listening agrees with you. And Pep Guardiola's come out today in his press conference and said that racism is everywhere. It's not just in football. And we have to fight to make a better future for everyone, not just in England, but everywhere. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think that's, you know, spot on. And I think the way Raheem Sterling has handled himself is incredible. You know, like you say, the way he reacted when it's happened to him. And, and, and I would sort of say sadly it's probably because he's so used to it i imagine raheem sterling has grown up with racism for, for most part of his life and so now when he hears it he just laughs and because that's you know he probably thinks that's all he can do um but i think the the post that he made you know it was so well thought out it, it was so intelligent the point that he's made it, we've got to take a positive from this it's that hopefully it starts a new serious conversation about race in this country and you know in football and beyond.
3: Well so many ex-players have come out um, sort of speaking Quite openly around the fact that uh, they still feel that it's it's uh, ever present. It might be underground, so to speak, but it's still ever present. And it'll never you know, go away, will no, it? No, no. And and you're always going to have. Sadly, I mean, it's, yeah, well, it, it's kind of, well. Obviously, racism is taught. It's not part of your DNA, and that that's the, that's the sad part about it. Is that it's propagated by by your environment, by by certain people, and you like to think that, uh, that it's... It's it's probably our age and over. Ian, it's it's that generational thing. You'd like to think, or uh, hopefully that's going to be the case. I mean, certainly uh, the younger generation. I don't feel would act, would accept that. And and uh, you almost put that kind of uh, comparison with some of the Brexiteers that were quite o- older generation that you know have actually voted that way. Although you know you can you can argue the sort of you know where where also that. But I mean, ironically, in the changing rooms, there's none. There's no racism. I've never experienced it. I've never seen it. I spoke to so many ex-players and current players. It's It's just not an issue at all. And it must be difficult, especially when we know that, Okay, this guy, these guys, these Chelsea fans were caught in that moment. But that could be at any stadium, sadly, and it still could be. And and it takes a lot to oust people, to be brave enough to sort of stand up and say, that's not acceptable, and to call them out on it. It might cost them ever coming to that stadium ever again. But I think we need to make the stand. More people need to stand up and be counted, you know, and, and that's going to be the issue now. I mean, my, my son was walking to the game, uh, at the Bournemouth game, and um, I was a City fan in his 60s crossing the road and a car almost knocked him down, but it was his own fault, stepped out the road, and it, it was a black guy driving. And this City fan called this guy the N-word. And his son's 15, and he's an innocent bystander, but he actually called him out and said, that's not acceptable. Now, I've been asking him to do that. You know, none of us knew. My, my wife was there, but it was the younger generation. They're not having it. And that's what we need to do. We need to look at the younger generation now to make sure that it's stamped out forever. And with education and with consistency and more big-name players, more high-profile players, making sure that everyone's heard, I think eventually we're going to wheedle it out. I hope as well at some point, because,
4: as I mentioned before, racism takes lots of different forms. It can be anti-Semitism. It can be gender-specific. It can be be homosexuality, you know, and and you know at the moment no male footballer has had the confidence really to come out as a gay footballer while and, pl- and, while
2: playing because yeah while the, playing yeah yeah, yeah yeah
4: you're quite right and and I'm thinking that that in itself is quite a sad reflection of the fact that we're still not at that point where people can openly do you know say say whatever they want really about about their their religion or whatever without it becoming an issue to somebody somewhere. But but you're quite right. We, we, I mean, please give me some hope here, Natalie. You're from a younger generation, so so Lakey and me are both <laughs> old, old. But, you know...
2: It's, it's, it's got to go <laughs> probably, probably not that much between us <laughs> But eventually
4: that, that It's got to Surely it's got to go People, it It's to. a different world now isn't
2: it It has to you just you just got to hope But you know the worry is Like Lakey said It's not something that God we're getting very deep here aren't we It's yeah, not we something are. you're born with It's something you're taught So are these people having kids That's the worry like But I mean I'm so proud of your son that, You know you must be, have been so proud yeah, of him as well because yeah. we have to try and speak up when we get the opportunity but he
3: actually said to this guy that you're doing a disservice to all City fans you know but he actually meant football fans but he actually yeah. said City fans you know wearing a City skirt he was, he was, he was a sad indictment of, of a very small minority but every club will have these people and we just need to make sure they get called out
2: Definitely. And let's support Raheem. And, you know, we're talking about it. I think it's good. Everyone needs to talk about it. We need to accept that it happens. And, you know, I think we have to say as well, as a white woman, I have never experienced racism. Um, So for so it's i would say for it's difficult for me to talk about it because i haven't experienced it um but i think it's important that we do all talk about it we need to learn we need to openly discuss these things in our in our in our country and if this incident with raheem sterling makes people talk about it then it can only be a positive thing
3: well you know cheesy it's easy, so very quickly i was i worked as a physiotherapist at burnley and it was one of the home games and uh, there was the twin brothers uh, who were black who played for luton town and uh, he went off the pitch and I was treating a player off the pitch quite near to me. And a, and a, and a fan, I'm not saying that all Burning fans are racist because they're not, but someone threw a banana on the pitch and I threw it back at this guy. And I stood up and said, I can't believe you. And he said, Oh, I didn't mean our black players, I meant theirs. I mean, what a ridiculous statement to make and that's what you're dealing with against small minority but it's frightening some people's opinions and that lack of emotional control means how can I be as offensive as I can? And you saw... That's it, that's
2: it, isn't it? What's going to upset them? What's going to upset somebody?
3: The animosity that those Chelsea fans showed to Raheem Sterling was frightening, really. You think it's changed since... I
4: mean, when I remember Alex Williams coming into City's team it was It was sort of routine that you went to an away game, and bananas were thrown because he was in goal, so he was near the crowd and generally the most partisan fans are the ones behind the goal. I know it's slightly changed from in different grounds these days, but that was how it was in them days, and as Alex Williams came out, that was just just normal you know and and That's sad, isn't you know it? and and it is sad, yeah. you know, but do you think it's it's changed now I mean my, my son was watching the uh, the Everton game the other the other uh, yesterday was it against Watford, and 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 he he wasn't talking about this wasn't about racism this was a different subject but it all seems to me to feed into it he he saw a a close-up of the crowd as a player went near to the crowd i don't even know who the player was i don't know what color of his skin was it's irrelevant but he was near he was an opposition player and he was near the crowd and he said the amount of vitriol and hate and anger and spite that was in the faces of these people Mm. just really scared him And, and and i and i said sadly this is a society we live in today that, that there is so much anger I mean I know I'm going off on one here but as you drive down the road everybody's angry on the road aren't they what is going on with us
2: but football is often that for people I can escape where they forget who they are and um, they use it to to escape from day to day life. Um, not that that's an excuse in 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 any way whatsoever. Um, but the one of the people involved has, has been named now in the press, and he has said, you know, he's profusely apologised and said, you know, he he didn't, he, you know, he's embarrassed about what he did. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Ian. it's there's just there's just in general outside of football, there's just a lot of hatred in the world right now. The
4: trouble is now as well because I've seen it on, on social media even today. Um, people are sort of saying, you know, when we move on to the subject of whether journalism is in any way contributed to this, you know, name and shame the guys or, or ladies that did this. And I'm thinking, well, is that the right approach? Do you now want a witch hunt? Do you now want vigilantes going out saying, this person did that? It needs to be education, doesn't it? I mean, uh, some people have said to me, should City have taken more actions? Should City have, in in some way, banned journalists or banned organisations. You hear that a lot, don't you? Yeah, yeah and, and uh, what what do you think about that? I
2: don't know, I don't know. I mean, uh, quite often, in fact, a few people tweeted me this week um, referring, obviously, to, to Alex Ferguson in the way that he would um, deal with the press. Obviously, totally different issues, but if he didn't like what the press was saying about him, they would get a ban. Um, I don't know, like, as a person, I like to treat people the way I want to be treated. I like to think that if you're nice to people... You know people will be nice back to you and you maybe you can teach people that you know to to be nice i know does that sound ridiculously fluffy Are people gonna is everyone like shaking their heads now go oh she sounds really fluffy i'm nodding good thank you so yeah i just think we need to we the best way to combat you know it's like it's like that famous faith um, phrase when people go low we go high and the best way to combat them is to you know be nice smile at them let's welcome them in and let's teach them about how, you know, what a great club we are and, you know, try and change their opinions that way.
4: We don't know the thoughts of the press officers at at, at football clubs. I mean, I know them and I talk to them a lot, but they wouldn't bring me into their confidence to talk about something like this. But... You know, I I, I asked the question to you, the listener, and, and you know, if you want to get involved, get involved. And to you two who have sat with me, and I'm thinking about it myself as well should City be more proactive and actually do this, or does that make the, the, the whole thing worse? You know, United used to get lots of bad publicity because of the actions of Alex Ferguson banning people. City have seemed to take a different attitude, and I certainly have witnessed press office at City taking a journalist on one side and having a word and trying to persuade them. But the other thing. as well, because we're going to talk to a a sports journalist in a minute or two, is often it isn't the, the sports journalists who actually attend the game who are the ones that, that the fans are getting most angry about. It, it's, it's people who write the front pages or the stories inside the yeah. papers yeah. Or, or present a, a news radio programme or a, or, a, or a news yeah. TV programme because it's not just newspapers
3: we're talking about, it's all forms of media. But, it, but and again, it, talk of the layers there, but it's also who's, who's editing at the end of the day. If something makes, makes a, more of a, of a landmark statement, then they will tweak what someone's written. And yeah. often, the journalist hasn't got control of that. And
2: there's people that just whose job is just to write headlines.
3: Exactly. Yeah, and, and,
4: and editors, which is, you know, saying, to do that story. We don't know how much of that goes on. So vilifying the individual whose name's over it is not always the right approach anyways. I'm not making excuses for people, and I know there's a lot of anger out there at, at, at different individuals who've written stuff and had their names attached to it, but I really don't think that the way to do that is to out individuals... And, and to vilify those, it's to it's to do it in a different way. But I don't claim to know all the answers. Wow, been off on one here, haven't but we? We're
2: proud of <laughs> the overall thing is we're proud of Raheem Sterling.
4: Absolutely, and we're going to talk uh, some more about this right after this. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. This is uh, Tuesday night, isn't it, between 6 and 7? And every Tuesday between 6 and 7, we talk Manchester City. You can put insert other words there if you want, and I'm sure it's right, but we principally (laughs) talk about Manchester City. Uh, We being, in this case, Ian Cheeseman, Paul Lake, Ashley Pike, and maybe you, if you want to give us a call, all 345 one. 7625, and you can do that at any time, or you can text us on 87711. We've so far talked about Raheem Sterling, and we're going to do one more little bit on this, because part of the debate and part of the question has been the way some people have suggested that the way that the media have reported uh, Raheem Sterling um in fact, we're gonna, the man we were going to talk to, we're going to get back in a exactly. second. To, oh, he's, oh, he's right um, there. Some people have said that the way that it's been reported in the media, and that can be radio, we're radio, newspapers, television, social media, wherever it is, it's everywhere now, isn't it? That that has somehow stoked things up and and maybe almost encouraged the sort of racist behaviour uh, that we saw at Ch- Chelsea, if it's proven, of course, at the we week. I've got to say that. Um, now... One of my esteemed colleagues, Martin Blackburn, who writes for The Sun, is going to join us now. And there are plenty of uh, journalists that I know that work covering Manchester City, who, as far as I'm concerned, are exemplary in terms of the way that they do things. Martin is one of those. I think it would be very unfair to... To ask you to comment on your newspaper, your employers, or any individual people, Martin, uh, who, who are our colleagues, but in general terms, what do you feel about the criticism that the that the media, and I include us in it, radio and television as well, have had in, in, as to whether they stoke up this this ra- racism and whether it's deliberate? Mm.
0: Yeah. Good evening, Ian, and uh, good evening to Paul and, uh, and Natalie as well. Um, it was—I thought—it was, um, I thought it was a, a very bold statement made uh, made by Raheem this weekend, and, uh, and and really impressed with him for doing it. To be honest with you, uh, and I mean, it, it made me as a tabloid journalist feel slightly uncomfortable, uh, but it also made me sort of think quite a lot about uh, about a lot of things surrounding uh, Raheem Sterling. So. Uh, um, you know, I, I take my hat off to him for for doing it and for and for shining the light back on the media. If you like, you know, I, I personally um, I've got a lot of time for Raheem Sterling. You know, uh, as you know, you know, I've been lucky. I've I've travelled around the world with uh, with City, and uh, I always tell people about the time when he first signed. You know, I was in the Gold Coast, and there was a game against uh, Melbourne City, and um, City arranged for uh, Raheem to do a sit down with the the handful of journalists who were there um, Stuart Brennan of the MAM was another one and I know Stuart remembers it as well we, we had a um, we were all quite taken with what a sort of polite and, and engaging lad Raheem was uh, to the point where when we'd all cleared out of the room um, he asked Manchester City's PR if, uh, if if they wanted any help tidying the room up and stacking the chairs up and that so uh, just a little snapshot there as to, as to what sort of a lad he is um, and if um, you know, if people got the chance to talk to him a bit more often, uh, and, and maybe we could see, um, you know, that the, the real Raheem Sterling perhaps isn't the same one that, uh, that is sort of portrayed in the media, if you like. So uh, that, that's probably not going to happen. Partly because, you know, we know now what, what, his, what his feelings about uh, newspapers are. Of course, there's other there's other media he could do that with. Um, but at the same time, you know, he he. He's got every right to feel that way, given given some of the things that he, uh, have been written about him.
4: The criticism that, that is most commonly applied into the ways he's portrayed is that if a yeah. similar story... so let, let, I'm not sure if this is exact, but let's just use this as an example. Raheem Sterling uh, buys a house for his mum as a thank you yeah. uh, because he's able to do that. Then the the argument that City fans, I've seen them do it on social media, is that he gets vilified for that as being, you Mm. know, a bling Mm. or whatever. If Phil Foden, who's just got this new contract, uh, goes and does the same thing for his family, they're saying, isn't he a lovely fella? uh, You know, supporting his family. Now, personally, I think they're both lovely people for doing that. But the perception is, rightly or wrongly. That Raheem Sterling is treated in a different way because of the colour of his skin—is that a conscious? If that is true, and you tell me if if you think it is, is that conscious, subconscious? How does that
0: work? Well, well, yeah. I mean, it's a a good point, Ian, because Raheem uh, used a similar example regarding Phil Foden and uh, Tosin uh, on his on his Instagram posting. I think it was it was from the Daily Mail or the Mail Online. You know, I know sort of single any paper or or organization out uh, but that that was that was just the example that that rahim used uh and suggest and pointed out the sort of the sort of difference excuse me in in the in the coverage of of the two now i you know i I think they were um, a few months apart, maybe even a year apart. So um, uh, the, the, you know, there is perhaps it's not a, a direct comparison, but uh, they were sort of covered very differently. Um, as far as as far as I'm aware, uh, you know, I've no, I've never personally encountered any sort of racism like that in in the newspaper industry. But you know, I, I heard Clark Carlisle and, and a colleague of mine, Darren Lewis, uh, on GM. I think it's a good morning, Britain, with with Piers Morgan yesterday, and they, they talked about, like you say, subconscious, uh, uh, you know, racism, uh, and, and could, could that sort of thing go on? Well, I, I don't know. You know, who knows? It's possible, but yeah, I can't speak for everybody, and certainly not
3: well Martin you know you', you mentioned about uh, how you've sort of reflected on on the situation and how you may have been influenced albeit uh, subconsciously but at the same time as a lot I think a lot of journalists will be doing a lot of soul-searching but even for some players and, and ex-players I mean there was a player I think it was Dave Kitson was was recently on a radio show talking about the fact that Raheem may be in some ways to blame for it because he's been a little bit brash and a little bit ott in terms of his own instagram or or his own social media reflections of of his life like that's justifying it which is a scammer thing to say almost like saying if a young lady wears a short skirt then she's going to get attacked Mm -hmm. and she's asking for it i mean so i think we all need to be more consistent don't you think in how we We talk about these things
0: we do absolutely, Paul. Yeah, and Pep Guardiola uh, talked talked about uh, Raheem obviously a lot today, and, and and mentioned that sort of use of uh, social media, as it happens, and and how he's he, he's not using it quite as much uh, as he was before. I think I think the the things that, that Dave Kitson was talking about, I, I've, I've listened to the clip myself. were, were quite a long time ago, were not they? I think they were uh, from several uh, several years ago. But uh, but yeah, I do, I do think um, that we all need to, to to sort of look at ourselves really, and. and and consider whether 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 he's whether he's got a point, you know. Um, you know, I, I personally, I, I I would say that there's there's been an awful lot of good things written about Raheem Sterling as a, as a footballer, certainly, you know. And and this is perhaps where you get a little bit of friction sometimes between the, the news desks and newspapers and the sports desks. And, um, and certainly, you know, Raheem, I mean, in the last couple of seasons, uh, for, for us as, as football reporters, how, how can you you write anything that's, that's there's not, uh, there's not good about him. He's been, he's been amazing, you know. But, but like I say, there are, there are sort of uh, news desks who have a, a possibly a, a different ag- agenda and, and go digging for things about his uh about his social uh you know his, his sort of private life so um so it's a case of uh of like you say of us all of all, us all sort of reassessing the way we uh the, the way we do our jobs the way we go about it and, and as i say as i said at the start you know credit to to raheem sterling for uh, for, for, for coming out and saying what he, what he said in, in the light of what was a, a really shocking uh, incident at chelsea
4: It says a lot about you, Martin, that you prepared to come on and talk to us tonight. Thanks very much for that. We appreciate it.
0: Thanks, guys. Cheers.
4: Cheers, Martin. That's Martin Blackburn. uh, Food for thought. Uh, I think you know we 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 spent half of the show now talking about it. I think we need to. Don't you think we need to draw a line? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to go away. The problem's not going to be solved, but we've dealt with it. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Chelsea defeat. You were there. What do you think, Nat?
2: Oh yeah, my first away game in it's your fourteen fault, you months. Know. Yeah, I know. I knew I was waiting <laughs> for that. I was waiting for that. I don't know. You know, I feel all right about it, to be honest, in a weird sort of way. I you know, I don't think it was a corner, by the way, for the second goal. But I think that's kind of buying. You know, whatever. Um, I think we were the better team in the first half. I think they were the better team in the second half. And I don't have a massive qualm about the result. Obviously, we should have taken our chances better in the first half. Um, they they scored from their first shot. So, um, I, do you know what? Is disappointing but I never for one second now I'm imagining you guys didn't either thought we thought we'd go the entire season invincible as I keep hearing it. I never heard one City fan say that.
3: No, no. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like you. I didn't believe that. I mean, in terms of the game itself, if you think about how we approached it, and obviously after that, uh, I mean, there was our first shot was something like eight minutes into the game, and, and Raheem Sterling had half a chance, and it's just that that snapshot, that bit of conviction, you know, because against teams like Chelsea, you only need to get those half chances. Obviously, Leroy had a chance as well, but you just felt in our right hand side became quite redundant. Uh, you know, in, insofar as how Chelsea pressed, and they did, a, there was a high press to begin with, then they sat behind. With, with with five across the middle. And it was difficult to try and get David Silver on the ball in particular. And although he set up both chances for Raheem and for Leroy, aside of that, David didn't really get into the game. I think the last two games as well we've not really seen the 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 normal David Silver. His, his form's dipped a bit. Obviously class doesn't go away, but form can dip and his form has dipped. And let's hope his hamstring isn't going to be serious. But then in terms of the goals, you know, it's great in terms of having a, a almost like a uh, a term of reference for, for Pep Guardiola to show certain players because every player is learning whether you're 19 or whether you're whether you're 34-35 and certainly for Leroy Sane he doesn't have that sense of danger so he, he wasn't f- thinking about that ball coming across for for, 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 for for Kante and it was a great finish and again with the second goal no one really picked up David Luiz so you had John Stones who didn't know who was behind him he didn't check his shoulder normally he does and John Stones has been superb this season I've been so impressed with him he's been absolutely excellent didn't check his shoulder laporte wasn't picking anybody up because he was gonna he was worried about um whoever's going to be at the far post so to speak uh, but in terms of those moments there's two moments where we didn't pick up properly Kyle Walker, who was so effective in his last game against Chelsea when we beat them 1-0, didn't really get into the game as he would have liked to have done because that right-hand side was, so, was marshaled so well. And he was trying to force the issue by getting forward was the reason why William got it in the first place. So it's just individual moments that have cost City. But again, it's a great term of reference for, for, um, for Dolph Burrell and for Pep to look at the defensive uh, attributes of certain players to make them realise that you can never switch off and mm. the game against Liverpool now is going to be built up you know, to, to, to great heights and one that at the Etihad you feel as though if we, can, if we can put Liverpool to bed I think that that's going to be one that's going to demoralise them.
2: Oh, yes. I like that, Paul. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, God, that game now is so big, isn't it? On the 3rd of January, it's even bigger now than it was. But um, how are you guys feeling about this weekend and the um, Manchester United versus Liverpool game? Because I'm totally and utterly confused by my feelings towards that game.
3: Well, you know something, Cheesy, I know about you, but I, 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 as much as I respect my mates who are Reds, I never want United to win a game ever, so a draw is fine. A draw, OK. I'll go with that.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. I don't, know, I don't know what the answer to that is. I mean, obviously Liverpool are going to be City's main rivals. United aren't going to be in the title race. But I can't sit there. It's too much in my DNA to sit there and go, come on, United. It just doesn't feel the right, the right vibe. Mm. So perhaps I'll just not watch it and whatever happens. happens. <laughs> you know, it's sort of that sort of thing. But going back to the, the game against Chelsea, I mean... It, it, I've been, you know, we've all been defending Raheem Sterling and, and saying you know, all the right things, hopefully. Um, in terms of playing, we're allowed to criticise if we want. And I'm going to say that if Raheem Sterling had taken one of those chances early on, and, and you can make an argument to say that's his not, natu- not his natural position and he shouldn't have been playing there, but if he'd actually buried one of them, I think the outcome of that game would have been very different. Now, obviously, that then opens up the debate about the absence of Aguero, should Gabriel Jesus have started. Uh, Mares takes up the position generally when he's selected on the right-hand side, which I'd personally prefer to see Raheem Sterling playing in. I think he's far more effective when he's on the right than either playing that false nine or even playing on the left with Mares on the other side. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that you know, missed chances, actually, in the end, was what cost City in that game... Albeit that we you know we you can see that there were defensive mistakes. But if City were ahead at that mm-hmm. point might mm-hmm. have been a
3: different result. Well yeah, I mean certainly in terms of the confidence of Chelsea in the second half it, it grew as the game went on and, and like saying not taking our chances, I think there's a different dynamic when Mares plays. He doesn't really get beyond the fullback that often, although he's got a wonderful step over and he can do that, but he's not the quickest player. If that's maybe not a criticism, that's just how he is. Whereas you look at Raheem in the second half, the one chance he set up for Gabriel Jesus with about 10 minutes to go, he just ran beyond the fullback and his pace took him past him, as he did when he when he when span uh, in the first half and he, he did Alonso right on the touchline and put the ball across the box and Leroy had the shot but it was it was blocked by Aspilicueta went over the bar for a corner but in those situations it's like you say it's about having that different dynamic having Raheem and Leroy means you're going to run beyond people you're going to stay wide they're going to drop deeper in those areas but you'll always fancy Raheem and Leroy 1v1 but with 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 Mares, you felt like he a lot of the time, his quality is coming from wide areas, whipping that ball from the right-hand side as an in swinger towards us in the forward. Which but was
4: great for Vardy at Leicester on the counter attack, but well, I'm yeah. not sure it works in in City's setup. What do you think, Nat?
2: Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying about taking the chances, and you know, it is. It was frustrating when they scored with it being their first shot on target, and you're thinking about the chances that that we had. Um, and yeah, absolutely. But I guess it's just you know. <laughs> I, I I don't know I don't know I, I think I'm just accepting that we got beaten on the day I feel like we played well they played well and they won you know yes we didn't take our chances they took a few of their chances but I don't have a massive um, anger at the... Well, I mean obviously I'm disappointed that we got beat but I'm not angry at the result I'm just kind of accepting of it does that make sense Oh I
4: think I think we are as well it's just uh, I'm obviously just trying to figure out what what you might
3: do different. How, who am i to to uh, question pep how dare <laughs> you even think <laughs> of it? in the world but again what? lots of fans have happened cheesy lots of fans have yeah. been talking about his substitutions and and were they mm. were they the right substitutions to make and were well, you taking off Leroy Sané at that time and, as opposed to Mares and there's lots of lots of questions around, like you say, around Gabriel Jesus. He's not really hit any any great sort of vein of form, but he's not played that many games to try and get that consistency going. He scored three, in, you know, in a game where he did score goals. So that's always going to be there. But you're having to compare him to, to Sergio Aguero, you know, and and we've had to counteract the fact that we've not had Mendy playing consistently really, and 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 Fabian Delph, although he's been incredible in terms of stepping into the breach all of last season and he's been very good he was found wanting once or twice but it's great because all these players can learn from these these situations and we can get stronger and better and david silver has always well, we said that he feels we're better than last season well i think we've had a dip in form recently you know we're only a point behind liverpool and we've got something now to look up to, which I think will spur us on. And we'll put loads of pressure on Liverpool. They've got Napoli this week. They've got Man United at the weekend. You know, it, it's not easy at the top, is it? It's tough at the top, is what they say. <laughs> it's tough at the top.
4: Right, OK, we're going uh, to talk a bit more about the game with an ex-City player in a moment. And I'm going to quiz you. T- well, you two can have questions to me to try and see if you can work out who that player is right after this. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. i mean, your cheeseman, Leslie Pike, Paul Laker here. We've got another guest coming uh, to join us now. Um, these two don't know who that guest is. Ooh. So you have um, a chance to quiz me now to see if you can work out who it is.
2: Oh, so, right. So what, what are we just asking? We you, can you ask know, anything? Sort of or?
4: Male,
3: female. Oh. Is it,
2: are you saying yes or no? Yeah. Okay.
3: They are, I did it already. Oh, yeah.
2: Are you going first, Paul? <laughs> All right,
3: then. Um... Did this player, has this player played pre or post the start of the Premier League?
2: That's not like yes or no.
3: Oh, uh, pre. <laughs> oh, sorry, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give so you a So was it. Pre. Thanks, mate. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So pre. So yeah. it's before. Yeah, OK.
2: Before the Premier League era, is it... The football didn't even exist then, did it? Before the Premier League <laughs> era. So I'm going to say it's a man then because City's women's football was Correct. 30 Next years old. Year That's not a question to you. I was, no, referring, no, that yes. I I was referring that to Paul. I was referring that to Paul. Oh.
3: Go on, Paul. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, has this player played more than a hundred games for City? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Just let me
4: double check. He's checking check his Wikipedia. About, um, you mean you I, don't know? I'm pretty No. Is the answer? No.
2: Is this person a a hired professional currently of Manchester City in a legend capacity? No. Ah. Oh.
3: Did this player play in the nineties? No.
4: Well, eight. you might have
3: played, oh, but not for realistic. City. 80s. Yeah, okay. Yes. Right, okay.
2: A player in the 80s. Oh, sorry, your go, Paul.
3: Has this player ever been captain?
4: Oh, that's a good quote. We'll ask him in a minute.
2: <laughs> Did he... Is he a striker? He was
4: thought of as a captain. A is he a striker? Yes.
2: Oh, a striker from the 80s. Um. Is
3: he English? Yes.
2: An English striker from the 80s that played... I was just alive in the 80s. Um,
4: what was all that stuff you said before about you nearly our age?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to be nice. Um, Tell you what, I'm
4: going to pull you out of your misery. Okay. Uh, joining us on the line now is... Who are you, sir? Boona! Mark Lillis. Mark Lillis.
1: <laughs>
2: Hello! You go. <laughs> How you doing, guys? We good. How are you?
1: They couldn't get couldn't you. Thank you. I'm alright. We have a captain.
4: We have a captain.
1: I was, yeah, when we went on tour to Austria, Billy McNeil, because Paul had left, Paul, Paul had left to go to Werriton, and Billy McNeil gave Mick McCarty, me so I think Kenny and myself one game each, and I ended up winning my game 2-1, and then when I got back to uh, England, I told my dad, and he was buzzing, and I was buzzing, and then the next day, they, they, they sold me to Derby. <laughs> <laughs>
4: there you go, perfect record. Never so don't be, be a
2: beaten. captain. <laughs> no.
4: Right, let, let's get your thoughts on the the Chelsea game because you, as a coach, will have looked at it very analytically, won't you, Mark?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I've got to be. I've got it on my hand, I thought Chelsea Chelsea done really well. I thought uh, the game plan was really good. Uh, looking at it, and um, it was too. Two good sides having a go, each other. we come out of the blocks quite quick. But I just felt as the, as the game was going on, we just lead, needed that leader at the top. You know, obviously we haven't got Aguero now, and how much we missed him now. And uh, you know, that was uh, that was a that was uh, a pity on the night. But um, credit to Chelsea, I think uh, you know. Uh, I think they deserve to get, to, to get the win to be truthful. But I think it's a good it's good in a way when you get games like that as a coach or as a head coach. And pep. You learn a lot from it, you know, and it's easy to say that even if you've lost. But you're going to have that in the season. You can't go on and play beautiful football every game in the season. You're going to get games where you, you play horrible and win or play horrible and lose. So I didn't think we played horrible. I thought we, we did okay. But uh, I just thought we were missing that uh, that lack of a leader at the top.
2: And it's diff- when it comes to Sergio Aguero, though, right, people—somebody said to me um, the other day—is Jesus a, um, a, a fair replacement for a Sergio Aguero? And I said, "Well, who is like who in the world is a replacement for Sergio Aguero? Like, when you've got one of the world's best players, like who, you know, how do you forward plan for that? I think
1: as well. I think it's, it's a chance for a player. You know, when you're a player, and obviously, you, your top strikers." Um, can't play and you, and you you get your, your chance. I think you've really gotta put a marker down into the especially the head coach's mind as well, um, of what you can offer the offer the team. Um and I thought, you know, that I thought the Chelsea done well with our with our wide men. I thought they double up to them, double up to them and, and, and done a good job on him. You know, if you looked at the stats I would have thought that, you know, Sarnier um he did okay. He, he was I think he was a little bit at fault for the goal. I think he didn't realise uh, the amount of importance it is to track a player back and get the goal side of him. But um, you know, he's, he's a young boy and learn from that. You know, he's been fantastic uh, this season so these young players are gonna have flips and they're gonna uh, do really well. Paula know that coming into the game as a young kid. You know when he was an apprentice when I was a pro there, senior pro and he always knew type, when he played in that Youth Cup. Uh, a lot of them go on and make it
3: because Mantle good and, and they, were, they were good learners as well. Bruno, you know, um, in terms of playing with a false number nine, do, do you feel that when when you are um, identifying that individual player to be that false number nine, do, do they do you feel like they do have to have that ability to be able to play with their with their back to defenders?
1: Yeah, I think so because especially when you play with that the first thing you'll know is some midfield player or a defender looks up and they want to wait the they want to wait the striker and they wanna wait the one they want to witness like, and I think it's difficult when you're not playing with one. Um, you know, sometimes players can um, adjust to it quickly. And so on. I don't think we adjusted it to it that quickly the other night, you know. And uh, it, I think uh, Pep, uh, knowing our top quality head coach, he'll look at all the things that he felt they can do better. And the next time we come into that situation, he might, he might have to change it differently. They'll go through a different style or formation.
4: It's certainly not uh, anything for City fans to worry about that defeat at Chelsea, is it, Mark?
1: No, no, I was sat there watching it and, um, you know, this is going to happen, you know, um, and it's how, it's how you react to it, that's, that's the big thing. Um, but, uh, no, you know, I was w- watching the game and it was end-to-end end and you had some good top-quality plays on show and that, but um, it was a disappointment, but we've got to, you know, we've got to we've straight at it against everything the next game, so it'll be interesting to see how we do
2: and I love it when ex I said this I said this last week when we had Paul Dickoff on but when any ex player still refers to us as we I just love it and I and I heard you there Mark. you, you, you kept saying we
1: yeah, he never leaves. I mean, it was brought up in Longside in, in, in Manchester and Westside and areas and that. And uh, he never leaves, you know. Um, and, and playing, obviously, I didn't make as many appearances as lately done. But even one game with that shirt on, you know, it, uh, you'll never, never forget it. And uh, that first season they had there, uh, obviously leading goalscorer, which was great. But you know, some of the some of the games that we played, and uh, it was great to know that. You know, you're hopefully going to pass a little advice on to the young youth team that was coming through then, because I knew it was going to be some, some, some top players who've gone on and had great careers, not just in football, in life. And that's what you want from, uh, you know, especially in the South, being an older pro. You want to give them good advice about life and uh, how to uh, deal with it. And this is great satisfaction, but it'll always be we. You know, it'll, be, it'll always be we, and it'll stay with us to the day and
3: the thing has been, like you say, there. I mean, it's, it's all credit to you, and, and I know from from speaking personally that we all appreciate that. The fact is, when you when you when you, you talk the talk and walk the walk, and you, you have you have actually played in front of you know the, the the main road faithful, you know, and had thousands of fans cheering for you, and you've experienced that. That then means that players, young players, will look, will look up to you and will listen to you. And I thought you, you more than most, along with Paul Power, made a real effort to make that connection with the young players. And I can tell you now, you've always speak, you've always spoken of fondly.
4: Mark, thanks very much for joining us tonight. We love you. Thank so you, thanks Mark. very much. The Phil Foden. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. The <laughs> Phil Foden, you know, of his generation. So Phil Foden has oh. just done a, a new contract, five and a half years, £30,000 a week. I make that about £9 million over the next five and a half years. Not bad. Um, anyway, everybody wants him to succeed uh, because he's a local lad, he's a City fan. That's what Mark was. So it mm. seems to seem, you know, see what I mean? there uh, yeah, you yeah, all yeah, together? It, it, <laughs> he's planned that. And, in. No, and it, we're talking about young players. Jaden Sancho had a great yeah. game at the weekend for Dortmund against my other team, Schalke. Um, and Diaz, uh, Brahim Diaz is another player who's, uh, you know, been spoken about, as potentially moving on. I think you want to talk about that now, don't you, Nat?
2: Yeah, well, we've got a caller on the line. We've got Miles um, who who would like to chat about Brahim. Hi, Miles.
0: Hi, Natalie. You OK? Yeah, how, how are guys? you? You all right? You all right? Yeah, fine,
2: yeah. thank you. Yeah. So, what uh, are you thinking, mate?
0: Just, yeah, I'm just thinking about Brahim Diaz, really. I mean, going back to the Fulham game where we won 2 nil. And uh, he scored two goals. I think he got man of the match as well, didn't he in that one? Um, I just, I just thought that was the one game where he did have an exceptional performance, and I thought he'd kick on for a start in the Premier League. But it just didn't seem to happen for him. And I'd be a bit gutted if he did go, really, from City with with his age as well, especially with the like Ian just touched upon them was the Sancho. He's doing really well out at Dortmund now, but. Um, I was thinking, like, I think him and Foden are definitely deserving Premier League stars instead of, like, coming on for the last five minutes of a game. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just thought, as a professional footballer, I suppose Paul would know a bit better about this. What what, what would he think about it? Do you think he is worthy of a
3: start now? Well, I think he is. And and, and actually, there's this difference, because actually... If you if you look at uh, Brahim, he, he's been with us for a long time now. He knows the system inside and out. And his, his aspiration was to play in the first team. So, obviously, he's not been able to do that. He's seen how well Jadon Sancho's done. And that actually has worked against City in that respect because he's realised that I'm as good as Jadon. I should be given that chance. And it's only really Phil that is going to get that chance. Phil will be playing uh, next season. He'll be a regular. But in terms of Brahim Diaz, you know he's brave, but he's realised that... Jaden can do it, I want to do it. I'm not going to get a chance when I've got Sergio and I've got Jesus in front of me. What chance am I going to get if I play deeper? There's, a, there's, a, there's a, obviously a, a plethora of world-class players in front of me again. I'm not really going to get my chance. I, I want to be patient, but I need to be playing football. So if I was in his shoes, I think I'd be the same. Another squad rotation, I'm,
4: I'm certain. I'm putting my reputation is going too far but I think Foden will start tomorrow against Hoffenheim I think he'll start next Tuesday at Leicester so he's going to get game time and maybe this is a question for another week but who makes way if Phil Foden is going to be a regular starter next season which you're saying Paul who makes way for him
2: so and that's like, that you've
4: that like bombshell. teed that up for next week, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> that bombshell. Um, thank you very much for listening. Obviously, we are available as a podcast. If you've only heard a bit of the show, uh, or you've heard it all and you want to hear it again, or you just want to spread the word, then uh, then you know look for the uh, football social XS Manchester Twitter. The link will be out on there. It'll be out on my Twitter. I'm sure Paul and Natalie will tweet it out as well. And uh, And I'm back tomorrow, Wednesday Club. See you then